is the Better Life, Better Work show, and I'm your host, Allison Crow. I'm an intuitive life and business coach here to help you create better life and better work. I help super successful people, you know, the recovering overachievers, put the soul back in their lives, and I help soulful people create success. On this show, topics range from the mystic to the logistic, and our content will support your being and your doing while on your path to create better life and better work. More is not better. Better is better. On the road again. Just can't wait to get on the road again. Little Willie Nelson for my audience as I... I'm catching the inspiration when I'm catching the inspiration. And as a creative and an artist, I declare it perfectly acceptable to create a podcast while I'm on the road to Lowe's Garden Center to get some plants for my yard, for my house. I'm having a bridal shower for my stepdaughter. But my thoughts are actually about you all and what I want to share with you. So apologies to my amazing sound producer who is so supportive and yet she might probably cringe with all the road noise in the back. And yet, if anything, may I please be a model of share your heart and show your work and get it out into the world. So here's what I want to talk about today. I have been mulling over this topic for a long time consciously and for most of my life unconsciously I want to talk about inner authority inner authority as many of you know I've been doing lots of internal family systems work with my coach slash therapist with myself it has become a not just a daily practice a journaling practice. It's a lens in which I see the world. So I am able to see and meet all parts of myself. Some of them are really fun to meet. Some of them are really overwhelming to other parts. It's a whole thing. And I got, <laughs> I, why did I call a therapist in the first place? at the beginning of the year. It was the gift I gave myself for my 49th birthday. I'm almost to my 50th birthday. Y'all are going to celebrate me fucking big. I'm just telling you now. Um, I initially reached out to my therapist instead of the coach as I already had because there were some things in my emotional inner world that would sometimes flood my body and situations, they would just kind of overtake me. Like I would be overtaken with emotion in certain business settings, especially difficult ones, right? Like if you run a business, which most of my clients do, um, a lot of my audience does. I mean, if you're a human being, we have difficult situations. If we are a human being, you have emotional situations. Like life is awesome, but also difficult. And so I would find myself usually in points of either ending agreements with clients or also vendors or, you know, like some days things would be fine. And then other days there would be like a three-year-old part of me that would feel really afraid. Through all the last 
five, six years of political discord in this country. Uh, I had a, frankly, I haven't really talked about this much, but I had a part of me that she's like a teenager part and all she wants to say is fuck you. Like in, in life, I don't say fuck you to people. I just don't. I might use the word fuck you, but I don't use my language to people. Maybe you might catch me cuss at the TV, like in a, in a, but I kind of have a thing of do no harm. And I found a part of me that like wanted to be telling people, especially Texas politicians to fuck off. And while that rage is totally acceptable in my system, it's not useful behavior out in the world. And so, but I was very concerned with like, yikes, these parts of me feel really volatile inside my system and they're really wanting to come out and I can no longer shove them down. And why did all these, why, what, I see it all the time. I, and once you see it, you all, you can't not see it. And so now everywhere I see all the places and systems and people and beliefs and religions and practices and coaches and books and therapists and husbands and boyfriends and parents and teachers and movies that I gave my inner authority to. Not consciously. I don't think we run around thinking, who's my authority? Except for... This is part of the story here, except for, you know, I grew up in a hardly practicing Christian family. So I was taught the Lord's Prayer. I was taught to pray. I was taught that God was in all of us. Um, I, I, I feel like I came out of the womb, walking, talking, connected to spirit. And then in second grade, Busing happened, and so my wonderful parents, God forbid, we go to school on the wrong side of town. Um, they put us in private schools, and these private schools were religious schools. And I ended up going to a religious school that happened to be Southern Baptist, where I was promptly taught that if I had not been baptized, I was going to hell. Not only had I been taught that I was going to hell, I was also shown the movies. <laughs> about the apocalypse called Left Behind. And apparently there's a series of movies like Nick Cage did one and Cameron, um, oh, there's some famous celebrity. I'm not talking about the celebrity movies Left Behind. I have not seen those. I mean, I thought Jaws was traumatic, but this Left Behind movie, honestly, for the third grade Allison or second grade Allison is one of the core sources of my major traumatic wounds. Because I was in, I loved school, y'all. I loved school. I still love school. <laughs> I love school. I'm a perpetual student. I love school. I love learning. I love seeing my friends. I loved most all of my teachers. I did have one teacher the first half of second grade before busing that I was terrified because she was physically not attractive to me as a second grader. And I cried the first day of school, put my feet up on the wall, didn't want to go in because Miss Ledbetter at Cassis High School was ugly. And I told her, oh, unfiltered little Allison, second grade. And Miss Ledbetter was so sweet. She said, I know I'm ugly, darling, but I'm going to be your favorite teacher. And you know what? She was. She was amazing. Lesson learned, second grade. So then I go to the private school and they say, 
to this sweet little long wavy golden locks hair with a giant smile and big eyes and funky teeth and big pouty lips if you haven't been baptized you're going to hell and I wasn't afraid of death, but I was told the apocalypse was coming for me. And I was shown a movie. And in that movie, I remember a mom and a dad being in a bed and one of them is gone. And I remember seeing somebody like they show them brushing their teeth at the kitchen or at the bathroom sink. And then in the next split scene, they show the water running and the toothbrush and the toothpaste are dropped on the floor. And they showed a child whose parents were taken to heaven, but this child's wasn't. And I don't know how many times they showed that movie to us in this church school. And I didn't even realize until doing some of this really deep inner work when I get to parts that need to be witnessed. Because one of the things I'm examining in my self-work and my therapy work and even in my professional work is people-pleasing. Like there is a part of me, a lot of y'all see me as like, Halson will say the things that nobody else will say and she's such a rebel. Am I really? Am I really a rebel? Are you really a rebel? Like I know people in my life that are rebels. I don't have the guts to say fuck you to somebody and I know people in my life that... <laughs> very clearly or bell and we'll say fuck you god bless the fighters and i'm not a fighter i'm an avoider of the fighter i think there's a purpose for each but i'm not a fighter i'm like a i'm like a oh let's smooth it over and i do that <laughs> on one part of me wants peace but the other part is terrified of doing something wrong like core trauma wound right and so the, why am i telling you all this because I may not show up with, I'm a, I'm a highly functioning, highly self-aware, successful business owner, successful wife, whatever that means. Like I'm in a successful partnership. I have a lot of good things going for me. <clears throat> I've contracted on a pool for my backyard. Uh, I don't have any major issues <laughs> except for I do. And most of my clients do too. And I don't mean that in a derogatory or a pathologizing way. There's nothing wrong with us. But one of the things I'm seeing in myself, in my peers, in my colleagues, and in my clients is us very capable, business-owning, self-improvement world people is that a lot of what made us successful is what is now, now that we are successful and we're not in the striving of creating a business, we're not all in the wondering if it will work out and our nervous system starts to relax and the safety and security of a sustainable business that now all the things we have quietly shoved to the side or to the depths or bypassed through all sorts of behaviors. Some, most of them actually totally applauded in society. These things are now wanting to come up and be resolved. I'm all for a resolution. 
So I am a peacemaker. And sometimes it's not pretty. But what I'm noticing is that things like overfunctioning, caring too much about other people's opinions, struggling with visibility, struggling with authority, people pleasing, struggling with conflict conversations, like how to have clear as kind conversations with our staff, with our employees, um, renegotiating agreements versus expectations. These kinds of things are a continual struggle for many of my highly paid, highly successful, highly functional clients. And a lot of it comes down to what we could call good girl syndrome. I have a couple clients that don't care about being a good girl, but we all seem to be many of us, not we all, many of many of the people I'm in conversation with. So I'm not just talking about my clients. I'm talking about, I see it everywhere right now, right? It's like my reticulator activator for this expression of childhood trauma in business <laughs> goes back to the places where we didn't know any better, but we were not given authority when we did express our own knowing and authority it was argued with or denounced. And so in my Christian school, this may piss off some of you Christians, and yet I trust that, you know, it's okay for you to believe what you believe and it's okay for me to believe what I believe. And I was told if I, I, I wasn't told if I had Jesus in my heart, I was told if I hadn't been baptized. And as a little girl who quote, had Jesus in her heart, this was extremely, um, this caused so much dread in me as a second and third grader and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth, the silent dread. And because the, the little soul inside Allison, not that my parents told me, not that my church told me, but my soul knew it had a divine connection. And that knowing felt so sure, but after hearing over and over and over and over and over that if I hadn't been baptized and done a public profession of faith that I was going to either go to hell or be left behind in the apocalypse, of course, I developed this sense of a, being afraid of being left for not being good. Like if I'm bad, if I behave bad, if my soul is bad, if I have mad, made bad choices, if someone, now here's the thing, if someone perceives me to be bad, because in my sweet little heart, I knew I wasn't bad. I'm not saying I was perfect, but I knew that the way I tell it to my clients, I was like, none of y'all are waking up thinking I'm going to kill a few cats today. That's bad. Your heart is well-meaning and benevolent. I knew that my heart was well-meaning and benevolent. I wasn't even trying to be perfect. And I have conversations with one of my girlfriends all the time. She's like, you're the most genuine good soul I've ever met. <laughs> and so I, 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 will, I will claim it. Do other people always experience that benevolence? No, I'm, I am open to misinterpretation like all of us. 
And yet, as a little child, I was told, and I can remember certain people who said it. I remember being at church camp in eighth grade, the year I fell in love with Paul Williams, being told that if you hadn't been baptized, you were going to hell. And being one of two people who, when the preacher said, if I've offended anybody today, please stand up. And who stood up? Allison Crow and Cameron Crow, because we were raised feeling saved, whatever that actually is. But my family did not dunk us or baptize us or, you know, we hadn't been through any ceremony, but it was the relationship in our heart was the way we were taught. And so I had this feeling on the inside that was my truth, but the world around me and the the teachers and the people who came and spoke at chapel and the, the preachers and the Sunday school teachers had a story that they told this malleable little mind whose soul knew something different and therein created the discrepancy that if I didn't step in line with what they told me was good, then I could be left behind. And so it's, it's interesting, you know, when my girlfriend asked me or I've had discussions with a couple of my coaches, it's for me, it may be different for you. I don't, I don't have the inner critic. <laughs> I have an inner doubter for sure. But my, my, my inner voices do have compassion. Sometimes they have self-pity, but they don't really have this harsh inner critic like, you know, like a teacher that's telling you you're doing it wrong because there is still that seed of benevolent love that knows that innately, divinely, I am worthy on a soulful level. Like I know my worth on a soulful level and where I got tripped up as a little child and, and the repeating wounds of my childhood. Now, obviously, right? Like I grew up with privilege. I grew up with running water. I grew up white. I grew up upper middle class. I grew up with education provided to me. I grew up with one parent at home, one parent working. So just acknowledging those privileges. And yet this is what we do, right? We start comparing our trauma and the reality is our traumas affect our emotional capacity, mental capacity, physical health here at almost 50 years old. And so I, as I look back, I realize, oh, like, so fear of being left. Dad would leave when mom and dad would fight when I was little. And as a child, of course, we meld to the authority around us, whether it's the authority in our home, the unspoken authorities. We're told to listen to our teachers. I mean, y'all. I could go on and on and on in each episode, right? So all the systems. And as a white, cisgendered, upper middle class gal, there's a lot of systems that work in my fucking favor. And there's still the patriarchy and there's still all kinds of systems 
for all people, not to mention marginalized people. They have even more systems that remove remove the choice from the equation, not just from intellect, but by immersion in the system, right? And so a child that is brought up in a system that has the assumption that you are good unless you give your, you're not good unless you give your authority away. So in the churches that I was involved in and the school I was involved in, we were taught to give our authority to God. Everything powerful in the name of God. Everything was God's will or not God's will. And I remember having conversations with people in college when I still considered myself Christian about Calvinists, like everything predetermined a destination. And it just didn't make sense to me because I still somehow knew that there was an inner authority. And yet I have to admit it's funny, my brain almost says confess, right? That's how conditioned it is. I have to admit that there are major parts of me that feared rejection if I did not please the people around me, right? If you disagree with me, this is a big one. There's a part of little Allison and many people I know that means disagreement or conflict equals rejection, abandonment, unlovable, right? Why might somebody have a difficult time being visible in their business as an expert? Because you start showing up in your business as an expert, making strong decisions that not everybody's going to be agreeing with, you will get criticism. You will get public criticism. You will have your own self-doubt to contend with, but people will have an opinion about you. You make changes in your business. You make strong opinions in your business and you may have clients leave you. By the way, clients come and go. At some point, they will all leave you at different times. But right, like, so there is innate in running a business rejection. Not everybody wants what you're selling or offering as a service, right? So yes, I'm still on the road. Yes, there's an accident in front of me. So I realized that in order to feel the safety and security of love and belonging... I subconsciously modified my behavior for goodness to fit in, for agreement, (laughs) right? Agreement became my authority. Following the rules became my authority. Doing it right became my authority. Now, here's a fun little twist for those of you that are into, I don't even really know what to call it because I'm certainly not an expert at human design. So human design is like part astrology, part personality stuff. And I think we can probably, when Elise does my show notes, she can um, put a hyperlink into human design stuff. 
I don't know if there's a primary source. I have a couple of past clients that have done human design work. I find mine fascinating. I find mine actually really freakily true. And one of the concepts in human design is certain parts of your energy centers that are either open or closed. And I have what's called an open head center. And that makes so much sense to me. I was in an internal family systems conference session on IFS and the Enneagram last weekend. And it was really cool because they were overlapping internal family systems and the Enneagram, which I'm half-ass aware of. Enough to know that I'm an Enneagram 7 who never tests the same way twice on the test. And to understand my, I understand my motives, right? This is what these personality tests do is they help me see my deeper core motives. And honestly, a lot of my, you know, my, my primary motives, which are conflicting, or one is to create, to explore, to adventure. And the other one is to be liked, right? Like, so one is creative and one is fearful. I'm avoiding being rejected as my, and avoiding pain. Avoiding pain is a big one for me. Alison Crow will admit it. She does not enjoy uncomfortable feelings. And yet my work is becoming about not only doing uncomfortable feelings, but teaching other people how to do them too, because it's changed my life and my work and my relationships and everything for the better. So back to inner authority. This open head center, and I'm also very empathic. So I... And what I'm understanding is that we all are empathic, but some of us can become over empathic as a trauma response when our emotional needs may not have been met or were neglected as a child. And we lived in unpredictable situations, which I did and did not realize until I was a grown ass adult. Like as a child, if you asked me, I had no clue. We create an, uh, an alert system. Our nervous system is in hyper arousal. I can't remember if it's hyper or hypo. Basically, I was constantly managing, like my radar was on our mom and dad's emotions calm today. Like I was assessing the situation and people around me to avoid bad moods, right? Because bad moods scared the hell out of me when I was a little kid. My father um, has been sober for a long time, but when he wasn't sober, he could be so loving one minute and then he could be verbally violent the second and often physically violent without contact. So what I mean is like he would be physically threatening. And there were a couple of instances of contact with various people in my family. And so I realized as a child... What I'm giving authority to my experience is I literally have my feelers out for safety. And that actually turned into really powerful life skills, self-awareness, business skills, all these other things. I mean, not a bad result of childhood trauma, right? (laughs) To be highly functioning and to be able to use this sensory intellectual experience to not only avoid pain, but to create something good. Yay, me, yay, those of you who also do it. I spoke with a colleague last night. I haven't talked to her in forever. (laughs) I've known her for a long time. She's also in the coaching world. And we were laughing so hard about this because we were 
we were just talking about the places like why does it wait until we're 50 to show up our childhood trauma <laughs> um because we're just a more trauma aware culture now that's why sweeties anyways um so i'm realizing not from a place of guilt and shame but like oh this whole salvation thing was an inner authority like lowercase inner authority not allison's authority and what my coaches would say or do or what the books would say or do or how you should run a business, right? Like my business, my business schooling happened at an organization that I got so much from, but also backhanded slapped me, right? So it was toxic and abusive too. There was a part that felt really good. Like, and this is supposedly classic, like spouse abuse too, right? Like there's a really beautiful part but then behind closed doors, somebody smacks you. And that was constantly happening at my company. The marketing wasn't aligning with the way we were being treated as human beings and acknowledged and all this other stuff. And so that confused me, right? And I was taught this, like, make 100 calls a day. Business is just a numbers game. There's no crying in baseball. God first, family second, business third was total bullshit. It was always business first. Um, just a lot of discrepancy, and so because my little nervous system and the parts of me inside felt so much uncertainty in the discrepancy, I fell in line. And the moments when I would express, wait, here's actually what I believe and what I am not only believe, but I have experimented it with. So let's say I have 75 real estate clients or coaches at the time I had 74 clients. And out of those 74, I mean, there's, this is not, you know, I call it the Alison Crow Scientific Institute. But out of those 74, I'm noticing repeating patterns of inner being, mindset, emotional management in the ones who are creating the results that they enjoy. That's where the name soulful success came from. Like people who were successful, but their soul was also full. And when I would express these to the company, they did not make good marketing sense. And I was shit shamed. Like, how dare you actually want our company to succeed in a way or our agents to succeed in a way other than the way that we have said works, right? Literally follow the model. Follow the model. Then get in the online business world. Follow the model. And how many of you have bought one of those courses that promised if you'll just follow the model? don't be this or be this do this don't do this I'm sure I've actually been a part of the oppression of that I will say that I do and have always remembered that my clients are resourceful and whole and even today one of them goes I want to ask you a question but you're just going to put it back on me Right. Because and in, in my early coaching days, I was a how to coach. I taught people how to do sales. And I, it's been fun being a business coach. But one of the things I realized way back in then was once they know the how to and have done it once, it's replicatable. It's not the how to that's stopping them. And what I'm seeing now is all the places where very subtly and not necessarily in this obvious negative way, 
I have kept my head too open and the head in, in the way my system works and thinks it starts in my head. I have learned to open instead of just being a floating head running around, which honestly I felt like I did till I was 45. Now looking back, I now know how to take something from my head and my thoughts and ask my thoughts to give me space and drop this energy into my body, into my heart into the sensations for a more embodied experience of even my intellect. I lost my train of thought. Let me get it back. Oh, and and so I'm always... I'm always, I may lead and teach a lot of times. I love to teach my clients the head stuff. A lot of my clients are smart. They lead with their heads too. And then I do also ask them to bring it back down. But I'm, I'm trying to remind my clients that when I make an offering or suggestion, and I love to strategize, if you have any idea, I know how to monetize that shit like a motherfucker. Like I can see the whole plan, how to monetize it. Um, it's not a question of how to. So I, my clients, even though I'm a life coach and a self-leadership coach and we do deep transformational work, we often still talk business. And I always position anything as it is on the buffet table. And if, try it on, see how it feels, experiment with it. It's not absolute law. Because my ego doesn't need to be that right. I just need to be right for me. And one of the reasons I'm a fucking vulnerable leader is because I was in many different worlds where the leadership was lying through their teeth about how things were behind the scenes. And so I committed to being the leader that I needed when I was 32 years old. I needed a leader that, you know, it's funny because I think we're taught leadership, be consistent on the outside, but be fucked up on the back end. Bullshit, y'all. I'm gonna show y'all my fucked upness now. And that's my sassy part talking, like, because I don't think I am fucked up. I think I'm human. I know I'm human. And I know you're human. And so that's what I call it, human leadership, transparent leadership. It's not just, quote, um, vulnerability. You know, vulnerabilities become a marketing term. It's not for marketing. It's for permission for us to be human and still function. We can be to create a world where there's no shame that there's, you know, talking with my clients today, doubt is a part of the business process. It's a part of the life process. It never goes away. My girlfriend, Tracy Lee, had an amazing post this week. And it was funny because I was thinking some of the same things along the lines with her. She's like, I've spent most of my life trying to heal. I'm done trying to heal. Like, what is healing in this mental, emotional sense? We're trying to get to a place we're not. And therefore that implies something is wrong with where we are. And the promise of healing or more money. And I'm in the business of it, right? Get you to spend money. <laughs> I am, it is not lost on me that this is how I make money, right? It's not lost on me. And there's a difference between creating something and running away from something. There's a difference between when I get to XYZ, I will finally have the authority and choosing from readiness. I'm stepping into my readiness to not just think and not just verbally declare, but 
head and shoulders, knees and toes, and everything in between, every cell in my body, to stand in my own inner Allison Crow authority. Not just my business expertise. And I am not rejecting all counsel, all feedback, all learning, but I am after many months, you know, normally I'll bring some stuff to you, to you all, you know, on the fly. This is not on the fly. I've been thinking about this deeply for many months and probably six months ago wrote down in my little ideas for podcasts talking about authority and autonomy. What are you giving your authority and autonomy to that has not earned that right? What are you giving your authority and autonomy to that is actually harming yourself? What are you giving your authority to and inner autonomy to that is actually re-traumatizing your childhood wounds? And the first step is just to identify with compassion. There is no shame in this. We all do it as human beings. We are all set to do it. Politics is meant to take our authority. Capitalism is meant to take our authority. The patriarchy is really meant to take our authority. Um, America is a met, USA, like the whole, whole USA-ness is meant to take our authority. Religion is meant to take your authority and power and give it over to God. I personally believe that God gives us our inner authority by creating us. We have an inner authority, an inner I amness. But so much, you know, grading systems, achievement, your, you know, your authority is not your bank account. What are you giving your authority to? And really, what are you giving your authority to over and over and over and over again that is causing you to not create the life or work that you want? Obviously, I'm going to pull this down into a business context. And obviously, I also mean it in the greater context, right? I mean, yes, I'm business, but I'm also all of your life. So it may be a relationship. It may be your mother's fucking opinion. It may, it may be what some doctor tells you, right? Like I have a thing. Y'all don't even know this, but I have a whole thing with doctors. Like I have doctor trauma from being a child and it started in second grade again. <clears throat> in second grade, I had a bike accident and I broke my jaw. And I had ultimately had 900 stitches in my face and I lost all my front teeth. So yes, let you in on a secret. All my front teeth are um, veneers because I broke all my front teeth in this horrific face first bike accident. And I remember being, someone picked me up off the street. They happened to drive by. Somebody I knew happened to drive by. I was very far away from home on my bike with my brothers. I was very far away from home. Mrs. Moore who was my PE teacher at the Baptist school, saw me and picked me up, put my bike in her truck and took me home. And while my mother was getting dressed to take me to the hospital, my face bleeding all over her bed, I kept saying, my jaw is broken. My jaw is broken. My jaw is broken. And everybody was like, no, your jaw's not broken. And we go to the hospital and I am saying my, you know, second grader crying, my jaw is broken. And they're like, your jaw's not broken. And sure enough, they do an x-ray and they go, oh, your jaw is broken. 
And I had the same thing when I had cervical cancer and had most of my cervix removed. Three weeks later, I'm bleeding and I call the doctor and they're like, that's your period. And I'm like, I'm 29. I know what my period is like. This is not period blood. And for four days, I was told by health professionals that I was not bleeding from my surgery site, that I was on my period. And finally, at a little elementary school, this was back when I was an elementary school teacher, um, bike-a-thon, I came out of the porta potty because I had to take care of the fact that I was still bleeding profusely. And she saw me and she was like, you're not okay. And I said, hey, you're a nurse. Let me ask you something. And she called 911. And I, I, long story short, I go to the hospital. And for five hours at the hospital in the emergency room, you're not bleeding. You're not bleeding. This is your period. This is your period. And I'm like, this is not my period. And sure enough, they get me up in the stirrups. And next thing you know, it's like a scene from ER, the TV show, right? Like, oh my God, you're bleeding out. No shit, Sherlock. I've been bleeding for five days and nobody believed me, right? And so another place where the ex ex were taught, you're wrong about yourself. And I know that younger people are probably still developing their self, but whoever you are listening to this, pause for a minute and even take me out of your ears. I am not your authority. I am here to point you to your self-authority, your self-leadership. I am here to help facilitate the relationship you have with yourself so that you can walk and move and relate and decide and sell and be moving in the world as your internal, beautiful, powerful human authority. Let me know what you think. Send me a message, share this podcast, tag somebody, sign up for my values list, or if you really want to come do this work, come hang out in Soli's self-leadership with me. Give it a try one month. What the heck? If you'll tell me about this little call to action and after a month, it's not for you, I'll refund your money. It's month to month, it's not long-term. Come be my client partner. And what I mean by that is I am not the boss of you. I'm here to partner with you to develop your own inner authority, develop your own way of being. Even I'm not here to help you eliminate doubt. I'm not here to help you eliminate failure. I'm not here to help you eliminate confusion, but I am here to help you learn how to compassionately manage without bypassing the difficult stuff. And I'm also here to help you stand in the greatness of who you are. I love you. I'm going into Lowe's to buy some fall plants. Thanks for listening. Totally appreciate you thinking about somebody who might really love this episode and you sharing it with them. Also, I always appreciate your reviews. It's like podcast currency. It's like a tip in the jar saying thanks. And finally, if you want to share on social media, a screenshot or any insights you get from listening to this episode, I will totally respond. You can share with the hashtag better life, better work show. This show is sponsored by my three rescued dogs, Leroy Brown, Clementine, and Rocky Potato. They're here to remind you to consider adoption when you get your next pet. More is not better. Better is better.